Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply today's episode is brought to you by cars.com with over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Ladies and gentlemen, the longest and also shortest offseason in Rockets history is coming to an end. Michael Brown, welcome to the funeral of the offseason. Uh, thank you. Uh, happy uh, last day of Hanukkah uh, to you. Uh, it's, been a, it's been a wonderful eight days, uh, eight crazy nights, if you will. Uh, but yeah, the offseason's almost over and the regular season is almost here. Yes, and we figured that with the end of the offseason, we, we need someone to help give us this eulogy. And we didn't want to just bring in anyone. We needed to bring in the big guns for this one. So we brought one of the titans of the Houston radio industry to the show today. Mr. Adam Clanton, welcome to the funeral. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. The Undertaker has recently retired, but I'm still alive and kicking. So uh, I'll, uh, I'll do my best to uh, do this eulogy or whatever we're going to call this today. Yeah, someone, someone's got to give it. Hear me, come on. This is not a eulogy, okay? This is a celebration. A uh, celebration of life? Come on, man. You can't get me down before 11 a.m. on a Thursday. Come on, a now. celebration of life for 
what was this horrid off season? Uh, I don't know. I would call it a horrid off season. I think it's an interesting off season. I mean, can you name one team that's had a worse off season than the Rockets? Uh, Charlotte giving Gordon Hayward like $500 million to play basketball. Okay. And, I mean, and he also is, you know, hurt again. Yeah. But eh. and they did get the mellow ball. So I, I, I digress. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Win it all now. <laughs> great. Never mind. They lost out on Christian Wood too. So uh, yeah, there, there are some silver linings to this offseason. We did get Christian Wood. Um, but Adam Clinton, we're going to start with you. So grade this offseason. Is it an F? Is it an F minus? Is it ungraded? What, what, can, what, what do you think? Just looking at the whole offseason in itself, like what, what is the biggest like mark of it? Well, I, would, I think the cop-out answer to this would be to say that it's an incomplete just because uh, there are still so many question marks at, at this point on Thursday, December 17th. Um, but I think that you know, if you take, and this is a, such a big if, this is like saying, if Yao Ming doesn't break his foot again, the Rockets are a title contender. Like we said that every year. If you take out the James Harden um, situation, if you will, I, I don't know that it's not a decent offseason because you sent out a, another disgruntled superstar in Russell Westbrook who never really felt like he fit all the way. You... Um, you basically you brought in a big to essentially replace Clint Capella in Christian Wood. At least that's how I'm looking at him because of the type of game he plays. And maybe even he could surpass a Clint Capella because he can do things that Clint could not do, primarily, you know, spot up outside. I don't think Clint was ever going to launch any threes, even in this offense. Um, and, and you've, you know, you've got potentially a low risk, high reward signing in DeMarcus Cousins. I know that it's you know easy to get excited about the name because we know what both he and John Wall have done in the past, but those injuries are no joke. And so it's you know you're, a lot is riding on their health. But if they are healthy, uh, and all indications are so far through three preseason games, um, they are, then you know potentially you could have something here. But it, it all goes back to James Harden, and because that has not been resolved, that's where I would come with the incomplete. So if I'm grading it. You know, I, I might give it like a like a B plus. Um, and then if you add in James Harden, then you start getting to like really bad letters and you're not on the Dean's list, but it's also an incomplete. So I don't know if that really answers your question, but that's kind of where I stand. As somebody who lived on a list that was never a Dean's list, um, <laughs> do you when you look at John Wall's game, to me, it fits more of what Harden needs. He fits more in the mold of a Chris Paul rather than Russell Westbrook, who has to have the ball in his hands and as a ball-dominant guard. I think the, the Rockets upgraded over Russell Westbrook with the John Wall pending health. Do you feel the same way, or do you feel like the Rockets are going to take a step back with Wall instead of having Westbrook? No, I think the pending health, again, is what you're always going to keep going back to until you can't anymore. I don't know that you ever can't with a guy that's had those kinds of injuries, but – I'm, I very much agree with the Chris Paul analogy because, you know, what's what, what were we hearing on Russell Westbrook's way out of town? Basically, well, I want to do what I've, I'm used to doing and be ball dominant like you mentioned and have the ball in my hands and blah, blah, blah. Like, okay, this is why I was never a fan of him coming here to begin with. And I look, full disclosure, I had to force myself to, you know, 
air quotes, get on board with the Russell Westbrook addition. Anybody that's watched this team, anybody that watched Daryl Morey operate knew this wasn't a Daryl Morey move. This wasn't a Houston Rockets move. This was a James Harden move, which is what's so ridiculous about where things stand right now. But as far as, you know, John Wall goes, absolutely, I think he could be a better fit. He's not a guy that has to um, have the ball in his, you know, it's, it's interesting. A point guard that doesn't have to have the ball in his hands to be successful at all times. That's kind of counterintuitive, right? It's, it's, it's kind of a, uh, a uh, what's the word I'm looking for? An oxymoron, maybe? It, it's, it's one of those things where that doesn't always tend to be the case, but yet in John Wall's case, he does the things that Russell Westbrook does a little bit better, i.e. shooting percentages. Um, he can obviously distribute. And he fits that mold of the Chris Paul where you don't have to be successful or you don't have to have the ball to be successful, but you can still be successful. Um, maybe your, your numbers dip a little bit like Chris Paul's did while they were here. But that's what's so enticing about this and what's so frustrating about it at the same time. If James Harden could pull his head out of his ass, and I'm sorry, that's just how I feel right now, then maybe you've got a chance to, to do something here that no one is really giving a chance in Harden's camp. And, and that's the frustrating part, because I think on paper, um, this team could actually surprise some people. Yeah, you know, one of, I think, I think the biggest acquisition or the biggest move the team made this offseason, there's one we haven't discussed yet. It's getting Steven Silas in the building. Now, we've had so many different, you know, coaches over the years. It seems like every presidential term we get a new head coach. But I, I, I don't know about how you guys feel about this, you Adam especially, but Steven Silas gives me more hope than any other coach has had that's come in here since Rudy T. And that, that might be a hot take, but I like him better than Van Gundy's fit. I like him better than Adelman's fit. I like him better than Mikhail's fit. And I like him better than D'Antoni's fit. Just, I feel like everything that, was negative in the bubble that was negative throughout D'Antoni's term. Silas is like the guy that can kind of counter that, you know, D'Antoni was very much, you know, we're going to, we're going to have a lot of ISO ball. Steven Silas is opposite of that. He, his offense is very prevalent on moving without the ball and making adjustments in the middle of games. That's something D'Antoni was strong to his guns and it nearly won him a championship. So I'm not like dogging on D'Antoni, but, I feel like Steven Silas is going to potentially, you know, kind of combat that. And the one thing that was so great about the Rockets is their three is better than two mantra. That's something that Steven Silas also believes in as well. So I feel like they're taking the positives from the D'Antoni era, bringing it with the Silas era and all the negatives from the D'Antoni era. They're kind of eliminating those with Silas. What do you think, Adam? Yeah, you know, uh, the interesting thing to me or the most interesting thing to me about Silas is that he he's an unknown, but he's not like he's never had head coaching experience. So all those names that you just mentioned, you kind of knew what you were getting from a stylistic standpoint. You know kind of what you're getting with Steven Silas, but you don't have that head coaching resume to kind of draw back on. That was, you know, that was one of the biggest reasons why I criticized the Mike D'Antoni hire and a lot of other people did on the outset because what were his last two stops? Complete unmitigated disasters. Um, but people were forgetting what he had done in Phoenix with an, an isolation or, or at least a, a ball dominant point guard in Steve Nash. And so it, it ended up working for, to an extent, um, unlocking, if you will, Harden's game. What I like about Steven Silas is that 
you know, clearly he's got way more on his plate than any normal first-time head coach, uh, new head coach, and new head coach with superstar talent involved would. Like all of those things I just mentioned would be enough. But on top of that, he's dealing with the Harden distraction. And he's, I mean, in my opinion, and again, we're going on three preseason games and a few Zooms with the media. But I cannot stress how much I've been impressed with how he's handled himself in that scenario, in that situation, um, based on what, you know, the, the, what he's had put on his plate. Um, he doesn't shy away from addressing the situation, but he's also very blunt in that if you want to know what James Harden's thinking right now about, you know, whatever, you need to go ask James Harden. If, if you want to know what the organization is thinking about it, you need to go talk to the general manager or, you know, the people that are going to make those kinds of decisions. He is here to coach the basketball team that is in front of him, that is on the floor, that is in training camp, that is on time and that is looking to accomplish what it's looking to accomplish. And that's what he's concerned with. And he really doesn't have time for all the distractions and all the other stuff. I think under the circumstances when he has been asked about James Harden, I mean, I think he's frustrated clearly. I think any of us would be, but he's handled addressing it in the right way as well. Because if he pops off or if he even seems frustrated, I mean, you almost have to be unflappable because if you aren't, you know, that's, that's a sign of weakness uh, perceived in, in a guy like James Harden or maybe your other players on your roster. There's so many things that are at play with a head coach in the NBA that have nothing to do with X's and O's that none of us really even stop to probably think about enough um, that, you know, it gets highlighted when something like this is happening, but this stuff goes on 24 seven. I mean, think about Phil Jackson and the fact that he was managing egos 90% of his coaching career versus the X's and O's, the Tex winner and company would probably handle with a triangle. This guy was about passing around the peace pipe and handing out books and, you know, managing massage or massaging egos and all that kind of stuff. So there's a lot more that goes into it. And Steven Silas is, is learning that on the fly. But I got to say, I, I like how he's handled what he has handled so far. Jeremy, an honorable mention in the coaching pool. You forgot J.B. Bickerstaff. Uh, but I do, oh, yes, yes. I do, I I do feel a little bit well, better about yeah, Steven Silas than J.B. Bickerstaff. Interim. He, he was an interim. He, he never got the full the interim tag taken off. But No problem. I didn't realize I was going to end up getting two jobs since, since the Rockets job. So obviously did, did some good things here. Um. Adam, I'm kind of intrigued now that when I go to Vegas, I can call it I'm in training um, with the news that has come out about Harden. So that's really good for me personally. Um, but interesting quotes from DeMarcus Cousins and John Wall, who are quickly becoming two of my favorite players on this team, when asked about recruiting Harden, and they both have said, look, dude, like that's on him. That's not on me. I'm here focused on this team, this roster, that has to be eye-opening to James. Like, he's painting himself into this corner of, I'm doing this to myself. Are you a little surprised that Cousins and Wall hasn't come to the defense a little bit, at least publicly, for James Harden? Um, maybe that's telling. And, I, and I'm not saying this because I know anything. Sure. I just no, this think, is all just what you think. Yes, absolutely. I just think that if I'm in their position, I'm, what, what – how does it benefit me to massage that ego? You know, back to what we were talking about with Silas. It's not John Wall's job. It's not DeMarcus Cousins' job to make sure that James Harden is happy in Houston or is going to be happy where he wants to go next or this, that, and the other. 
These guys are trying to revive their career. Frankly, they don't have time for the BS that James Harden is bringing to the situation. And when they're at camp, and look, it's not like DeMarcus Cousins has been this choir boy this whole time. I mean, he's had his, he's had his share of, of run-ins with the media and with team members and um, broadcasters, as a matter of fact, as we all know with uh, the situation that happened with Grant Napier in Sacramento. I mean, this isn't a guy who's like squeaky clean. John Wall's probably had his moments where, I mean, we, we know about the, the incidents that happened there in Washington. So it's not like they're playing this holier-than-thou card. But these are two guys, and one of them, I believe is John Wall, has said it. Being away from an NBA floor for over two years has really reinforced how lucky they are to be a pro basketball player. And so forgive them if they're not caught up in whatever James Harden's mood is on any given day because they're trying to literally get their basketball careers back on track, especially in John Wall's case. Um, you know, DeMarcus Cousins has had multiple injuries, but he's at least been on an NBA floor in the past two seasons. Um, John Wall is like, th this is his last chance to kind of revive his career and do something with it. So, you know, forgive them if they're not uh, trying to, to, you know, bend to every whim of, of James Harden as he decides where he wants to be and what club he wants to be at. And I don't know if you guys can tell, I'm a little put out with James Harden. Like, I've defended this guy to the, you know, to the teeth for years with not a lot of returns, by the way, and not a lot of uh, ground to stand on. And it's not because I get a check from the Rockets or anything like that. I just thought the guy got a bad rap a lot of the, a lot of the time. But after what he's done the past month plus, I'm soured on that guy. I don't, I don't particularly care to uh, see him in a Rockets uniform if this is how he feels. And the sooner they can get him out of town and not – poison this culture if that's indeed what he's potentially doing the better because last time I checked Hakeem Olajuwon did this once upon a time he wanted to be out of town he had odds with management or he didn't feel like he trusted his teammates uh, but he found Islam and won back-to-back -back championships forgive me if I don't think James Harden's about to do that in the next few weeks yeah I mean I think kind of circling back to all of this you know we also I think how you feel, Adam, is how a lot of, you know, Red Nation feels. I mean, crying out loud, me and Mike have a podcast named after the guy. Like, we have, you know, defend this man is slandered across the country, and he's proving now why. He, he fell short, and now he's tapping out. And, you know, it's frustrating because he's fallen short so many times, and, you know, we see – it from our lens, from our Houston lens. And, you know, every year they lost, you, you can, you can kind of point the finger at somebody else. You can say, oh, well, this happened. Or you can, in 2018, oh, it was Chris Paul. Oh, in 2019, uh, you know, Chris Paul had a, you know, Chris Paul was injured or he, he, he regressed or, oh, Russell Westbrook was injured. Oh, it was the bubble. Oh, this, but now all of those people are gone. D'Antoni's gone. Daryl Morey's gone. Chris Paul's gone. Russell Westbrook's gone. Dwight Howard's gone. So there's nobody else to point the finger at but himself. And that has, and as we saw in the Tim McMahon article that came out earlier this week, we saw how much that culture had kind of been built in Houston where James comes first. And I feel like now with Silas, what we're seeing 
is everyone is being held accountable for themselves. That's why you're seeing John Wall not, you know, add fuel to the fire with the James Harden situation. The Marcus Cousins, the same thing. Everyone is kind of taking responsibility for their actions. And I feel like that's something that's very different from what we've seen in the D'Antoni era from, you know, what we heard in the bubble with the film session. And, you know, that's why Russell Westbrook wanted out. And, you know, I feel like also with the last month or so, every story that's come out has almost kind of contradicted another. And it's hard to tell what really is going on behind the scenes. But, I mean, what what do we think? I mean, I guess, Adam, try to kind of, from everything that we've heard, what do you think exactly happened? Um, let me tell you a story that I heard from a very reliable source. Uh, and this was several years ago. Y'all know about how the Rockets play terribly in Miami, like almost exclusively <laughs> every single time. That's not a coincidence uh, if this story is to, believe, to be believed. And I 100% believe it because the person who told me, I think just they're a very reliable source. So this would have been 2017, maybe 2018. Um, I want to say it was 2017 before Chris Paul. Mm-hmm. The teams in Miami, I don't remember if they had gotten there early because James wanted them to or not. But the McMahon article, I think that's its own conversation we should have. That is that is not a good look for anybody involved. No. But um, this also kind of makes that article a lot more believable. So um, they're at the team hotel. They being, you know, the Rockets are obviously there. But it's about 7 o'clock in the morning, game day. And Mike D'Antoni is coming down from his room to get breakfast, get coffee, whatever. He's in the lobby. He's walking out. James Harden is walking in. Like, at 7 in the morning. From a night of God knows what. And basically what D'Antoni said, as the story goes, to James is, all right, you better play, you know, like we're used to tonight or this isn't happening again. And he did, if I recall. I I don't remember exactly which year it was again, but um, he played well. But the rest of the team that apparently was out with him, the members of it that couldn't keep up with James's speed, which few can from from, uh, what I've been told, they didn't do so hot. Like, the Rockets get trounced in Miami like every single time they play there. We all remember the the game last year. Um, Again, I don't know if that's why – but I just – I think that that kind of stuff has probably gone on. And, again, this is my opinion. That, that was a story. This is my opinion. Um, I just think that there's a lot of truth to what McMahon writes, or at least I could see where there would be. And, again, I'm always going to go to bat for the organization before I go to bat for any individual player um, because the Rockets are going to be here uh, long after James Harden is gone, and they've been here before him, and, and they always will be unless they go to Kentucky or something because they can't get an arena built. Um, but I, I just feel like, you know, I'm always going to go to bat for the, for the organization, but in that same vein, they've got to be willing to admit that maybe they went about things, you know, the wrong way or whatever you want to say uh, to kind of sort of create this monster. And the assistant coach that's giving the anonymous quote saying, Hey, I don't blame James. He was just doing what he was allowed to do. I mean, there's something to that. It's not fun to hear, especially if you're a fan. 
and especially if you're the organization. And I don't know who's ultimately responsible. I don't know if it's a shared responsibility or what, but one thing they'll have to do is, is look in the mirror a little bit uh, in addition to looking elsewhere perhaps for talent because you can't do that again. And I get it. He's an otherworldly talent. The guy is a basketball god. Uh, and there's a lot of things that he's doing and has done that will never be done again in the NBA, I don't think, in quite the same way. He's just that you know, singularly of a talent. But it's funny because I was watching The Last Dance over the last few days. Again, I was re-watching it. It's on Netflix. I hadn't watched it since it aired on ESPN. Mm-hmm. And I'm, you know, I'm looking at the stories of them going to, you know, grab Dennis Rodman out of his hotel room uh, and Carmen Electra is hiding behind the couch naked in the sheets. And MJ knocks on the door to drag Dennis Rodman back to the season because they gave him this vacation. Like, could you imagine if they gave James Harden a 48-hour Vegas vacation because he just needed to blow off steam from all of the, you know, hard stress of being a multi-million dollar NBA player, the, the amount of negative press he would get on top of what he's already gotten. Could you imagine that? Now factor that story into a guy who has never won a championship, who is sometimes criticized for not being on top of aspects of his game, who uh, is not accountable, who does not display leadership because there's a double standard. Like there's a reason why Rodman could do what he did. He led the league in rebounding for like 50 seasons in a row. He was always on point. You know, Jordan talks about that drill that they ran when he came back from his Vegas vacation where, you know, the guy that's in front, you can, you've got to keep pace with the guy who's in front of the line that Rodman was leading that pack and they were having it. They had, it took them four laps to catch up to him after his Vegas bender. So, you know, James Harden can do that, but the problem is James Harden's not winning the hardware that goes with all that. And if you're not winning, it's just the, the BS eventually is not going to be put up with. I do feel yeah. like, I do feel like every time her name comes up, it bears mentioning that Carmen Electra can still get it anytime she wants. Per the Carmen Electra is an absolute smoke show. And I'm not <laughs> saying I would sell my family into slavery, but like my wife would understand. <laughs> there, look, I would renounce my Jewish religion for Carmen Electra. Like it, that would not be a sticking point for marriage. Just, throwing that out there look she's terrific i'm gonna i'm i'm gonna come out and i'm gonna ask the the question that i think a lot of rock diehard rockets fans were asking themselves after the bubble number one was it time to move on from mike d'antoni after his tenure here where he truly just he couldn't get to the promised land and things went against him i totally understand that and after 14 years of daryl morey in the front office it almost felt like when he left that it was a changing of the guard and maybe it was just time for a new start. And maybe that he deserves, I think, a new start somewhere else because he just never got to the promised land here. He was so close and he went up against the Warriors dynasty like no other franchise did. But it it almost felt like it was time to move on from both of those guys in those roles. Do you feel the same way? Well, I'll – I'll share that I had a conversation with Daryl probably a week or two before the Philly job. And I had, I had no idea. I mean, he, he played poker and like Daryl and I, it's not like I called Daryl up and he would tell me all the inside information about what was going on in the organization. But like, we had a really good relationship. And uh, I mean, he gave no indication. 
Like he told me his family was going to go on a vacation together that he had promised his wife when he finally had some downtime and he finally did. Um, they got back from that vacation. And I believe he took the job either one or two days later from when he told me they were going to come back. So, you know, I don't know. There had to have been something in play, in play. Obviously that stuff doesn't just happen. Um, but you know, going back to what you said, wouldn't it be ironic if he then trades for James Harden, having not been able to get to the promised land, but I, I agree with you that he did get closer than any team did to toppling the Warriors dynasty with the exception of James or LeBron James, you know, coming back from the three, one deficit, um, you know, to bring in the guy that he couldn't get there with. And I mean, he went out of his way to say that James Harden changed his life in his thank you letter to, or thank you statement to the Rockets organization in the city of Houston and their fans. Um, it's true for better or for worse that, that, you know, he's, he staked his claim to, to James Harden and, and they're kind of joined at the hip in a lot of ways. Um, I think with, with D'Antoni, I mean, the fact that he told them on the airplane flight back from Orlando, yeah, I'm out. The fact that, you know, whatever you want to say about negotiations with Tillman and his agent, because I honestly, I, I think Tillman might get a bit of a bad rap there. Um, I think there's more to Dan Tony's side, and I'm talking about more his agent than anything else than we're led to believe. Um, there's a lot of blame to go around as to why that didn't get hammered out. But, I mean, he's a lame duck. He didn't feel like he was respected by the organization. Does that sound familiar, P.J. Tucker? And, and he just – I think thought I think he thought it was time for him to leave, for him to move on. And can't really, I mean, you can't really begrudge him that. He got 65 wins out of this team. No one had ever done that before, not even close. Uh, Rudy was at the at the helm when they won the first championship, and that was 58 wins. That was a franchise record forever until, you know, 2018. I think both those guys, though, just felt like it was probably time in a lot of ways. And would I be surprised at all if Daryl Morey saw the writing on the wall with, with James Harden and got out while the getting wasn't so good? Not at all. I mean, but you, you mentioned it, 13 years, that's a long run to be anywhere in sports, let alone in the NBA where things change so much, uh, especially when Daryl Morey is involved. So, um, yeah, I think in a lot of ways that's probably fair to say that both those guys just felt like it was, it was time for a change of scenery. That happens in sports. Yeah, so I want to add some context back to that Miami story that you brought up, Adam. So I'm looking here, the 16-17 season before Chris Paul was there, the Rockets were 32-11, and and they faced the 11-30 Miami Heat. There was a day off before, I want to say it was Martin Luther King Day. Um, it was, they had the day off, and they went on to lose that game by six. Harden had a 40-point triple-double. <laughs> and nobody scored more than 13 points. Montrose Harrell, 13 off the bench. So that might line, uh, line up mean, with, what you, with what you shared. There, I mean, the proof's in the pudding, as they say, right? I'm not saying look at the box score and say, you know, take Adam's story to the bank. But like I said, it was told to me by a very reliable source. And that is textbook James Harden era here in Houston right there. But also, I mean, if you think about it, you know, James Harden is the most crucial part of the team's success for the past decade. And even with all of the cons that have come with James Harden, you know, do the pros outweigh the cons or are we just at a point where the cons are starting to outweigh the pros? I think the latter. 
I think in a lot of ways, maybe it's just time for James Harden to move on, just like the other two pieces. Um, James Harden has, again, extraordinary basketball skills that very few, if any, have ever possessed. And, I mean, when, when Daryl Morey said what he did about James being the greatest scorer he's ever seen, and that included Michael Jordan, like, I mean – that's there's there's something to be said for that like the scoring aspect of it he's right up there like the last guy who averaged this many points per game in a season was MJ you know but um what the, the what the cons are right now is a potentially toxic situation in your organization and if the guy is not wanting to be here and it doesn't matter what you do and you've been over backwards, and you've made deals that were probably against your franchise's best interest, which, by the way, you're still going to be paying for long after this is resolved um, in, in the form of draft picks, for example, in the Russell Westbrook deal. Like, you know, what, what's the, what is the pro that is going to outweigh that con? And I'm sorry, like, to me, it would not shock me at all if James Harden gets his wish pseudo gets his wish or just gets shipped out whatever of those three scenarios goes wherever and doesn't win and we're satisfied by it somehow right because that sounds petty and somewhat you know morbid in a in a nba career type situation way of looking at it but like you know what all these people are like oh i just want to see james go somewhere and win why you want him to win in someone else's gear? That's a championship that your team didn't get, but you're happy because he got it wearing another team's jersey? I'll never understand that. No. That's like people saying, well, you should be happy for the Spurs and the Mavs because they, they play in Texas, and we live in Texas. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. Like, if you're a Rockets fan, why would you be happy about your division rivals within the state winning? That's about as dumb as the Rangers putting up the Astros logo on the side of the Omni Hotel after they won the World Series. I will never not love that moment because the, the Astros would never do that for the Rangers. Like, that's, it just doesn't make any sense to me. So, um, I, I could very much – I mean, this is me personally, and maybe I'm just a dark individual and I'm petty myself. But after everything that's happened, you're going to tell me that James Harden's going to go somewhere else and win and I'm supposed to be happy for him? F that, man. Get out of here with that noise. Part of me wants to see James Harden, though, on opening night, just bust down Toyota Center doors like the NWO and just come in and just be the bad guy and average like 50 points and 10 rebounds and 10 assists and us go 66 and 16 and win the NBA title, though. Well, yeah, yeah, but that's him playing for the Rockets doing that. that that's what yes. we've wanted for eight years. Like, and he can do it. That's the thing. He can do it. I will ne you'll never convince me that the, uh, that the uh, Rockets wouldn't have won that championship had Chris Paul's hamstring not snapped. I know that's not breaking news here, but, I mean, it, it changes everything. Like, that's why – I don't know if you guys heard – that you had to have heard the podcast that Chris Paul did with uh, – Yeah. J.J. Uh, Redick. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, talking about how that 48-hour that period went down for him and – it just does, man. It just, it, they're, they're that made so... me like Chris Paul again. Oh, I love Chris Paul. Listen, let me tell you something. Chris Paul might be an a-hole on the court. He might punch guys in the junk. That guy is a consummate professional. And for as, as big of a superstar as he has been in this league, one of the nicest guys you will ever be able to interact with. And yeah. I'm not saying that from my experience because I, I really didn't get to interact with him all that much. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll speak on behalf of Matt Thomas 
because I'm very good friends with Matt Thomas, and he would obviously travel with the team, so he knows a little bit more about that. And no, he's not my source on the Miami story before you think that. Um, but he, you know, he's, we were just talking about that the other day, how, how nice of a guy Chris Paul is, but that guy was an assassin. And I just, you'll never convince me that they wouldn't have won that series had he not, you know, uh, gone down. And, and I love the people, you know, the revisionist history. Oh, well, you know, LeBron would have beat. They destroyed the Cavs that season, both times. Mm -hmm. They would not have lost to the Cavs. It probably would have been a five-game series. The Rockets would have been the 2018 NBA champions. And then it changes so much. We're probably not sitting here having this conversation right now, in all honesty. He also helped produce the greatest gif ever when he mocked uh, Steve Kerr, mm -hmm. uh, which <laughs> legendary. Uh, real quick, you brought up P.J. Tucker. I'm sorry, P.J. Tucker, that you're upset and you're in your feelings that the Rockets don't want to extend the 36-year-old version of you that averages eight points and five rebounds a <laughs> game. And we're also paying you $8 million this year. I think he's replaceable. Like, that's just me. I think he's a replaceable forward. Do you feel like the Rockets should have extended him, or do you feel like he's replaceable? If it's, if it's a matter of that helps you keep James happy, and I'm talking about not now, I'm just talking about this entire time because they're so close. Um, you know, kind of like Trevor Ariza, you keep him around if it's, if it's financially – um, what's the word I'm looking for? If it's financially responsible, but when Phoenix is going to offer Trevor Ariza 15 million, Daryl Morey had every right to tell them to go kick rocks. So he's probably right where he needs to be, PJ Tucker, as far as what he's getting paid and at the age that he's at. And I get it; he's got a great NBA story. He's fought through a lot of adversity to get here. But the cold, hard truth of the matter is the reason you were fighting through that adversity is because you weren't an NBA superstar. So stop acting like you need to be paid like one just because of whatever narrative you've got in your own mind. I love PJ Tucker. This is not to disparage him in any way. I just think that he's probably, is he slightly underpaid? I, I, I guess, but it's like you said, like, what is he, what is he bringing to the table that is so, um, earth shattering that you've got to give him so much more money or, or give him the respect that he deserves. I think, I think PJ's even come out and said that it's not the salary. That's the issue. It's more, he just wants to, you know, be here. He wants to end his career in Houston. So the theory that I came up with on our, on our last podcast was PJ Tucker and Daryl Morey. Cause we know Daryl Morey and PJ Tucker are, you know, real, real strong friends that Daryl Morey promised maybe like gave a, a wink or a handshake under the table, something that he would give him another deal after his current one that would help him retire in Houston. And then Daryl goes out and, you know, heads out to Philly and, you know, Rafael Stone doesn't feel the same way that Daryl Morey felt. And now PJ Tucker's looking at, well, I was kind of promised something under the table here and I'm not getting that because, you know, Daryl said something and that's not how, it, do you think that that might be how it plays out? Cause I, I think that PJ feels like this isn't his last NBA season and he wants, and Houston, I mean, he has a business in Houston now with the, with the shoe shop or something like that. But mm -hmm. like, do you think that's what it is? Cause that's, that's kind of where I'm at right now. 
Um, yeah, I mean, every time that there's a regime change, a coaching change, any sort of change near the top, you're going to have guys with different opinions come in and, and change things up. I mean, you know, it, it happened with – I mean, look at every team in town here. Every team in town has had a coach and a GM change in the year 2020. That's insane. That never happens. So – and those things have, have caused ripple effects. Um, man, take, take – I know you probably have because you guys are diehard sports fans. If you haven't read that Sports Illustrated article on Jack, Jack Easterby, holy cow. Oh, like, that makes the Rockets' problems, like, feel like small potatoes. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I, I think, you know, Rafael Stone looks at it differently, maybe. I mean, you got to remember the, the unique thing about him is that he was already in the organization. So it's not like he's coming in blind or not armed with the knowledge of, you know, what, what PJ and others in the organization have done for this team. He was here right along for all of it. So maybe that's even more telling if he's not – Hey, let me give you this money real quick. Like he's got probably better knowledge than, than your typical new GM would in this situation. So um, yeah, maybe, maybe that's it. I don't know. I PJ is going to be a professional. He's going to play and, and this will probably be uh, a hiccup on the, on the radar, if you will, in the grand scheme of things in the future. Um, I, I think either way it's going to be, massive changes for the Rockets, you know, a year from now we're looking at potentially. Go ahead, Mike. Adam, I think you and I are on the same wavelength of, it seems like there are now two different types of athletes in professional sports. One who handle their business behind closed doors in a professional manner. And then there are the guys that want everything leaked out into the media. They want to act like a bunch of entitled little babies and it, like, that's almost the reason why I want to move on from Harden and get some guys in here like Cousins, guys like John Wall. Just come in here and do your job. Be a grown man about it. And it feels like P.J. Tucker, for as exuberant on the court as he is and as tough as he is, he's just not handling this right. And it's leaving a really bad taste in my mouth. Well, I mean, again, go back to their relationship. Who's he closest to on the team? James Harden. These guys are – they're handling it similarly. Um, it's just one is a super uber duper star, and one of them is a very nice role player who's old. I mean, old relative to NBA terms. Sure. And and so, yeah, I, I'm with you right there. Like that, what you just said about two types of NBA players that kind of applies to life for me. I, I'm really like, and I, excuse me as I get on my old man get off my lawn soapbox here. I, and maybe it's because I've got a kid now and, and he's only two. It's just like I'm this veteran parent here. I'm going to turn 40 next year. I've been working in sports since I was, I mean, really, I mean, if you want to be honest, since I was probably in high school. And I just, I, I have zero tolerance for a lot of that stuff now. It, it, and I talk about it with other members of the media. And it's interesting how there's a divide in the media. And not to go down this road, it's almost exclusively politically. I'm not, I mean, again, I don't want to get into that conversation, but it's, it is, a, I only bring it up because it is alarming to me, like how down the line it is, because there is absolutely two different ways of handling this. And I think LeBron's responsible for a lot of it. And, you know, social media is the biggest respect. Like, social media is so awesome in so many ways. And all of those ways, 
it is also so horrible for society. It's ruining society, like ruining it, in my opinion. And again, just one man's opinion. I'm, you know, get off my lawn guy right now, the old fogey that's, you know, shaved his head. And it's like, you can tell you, it's not going to offend me. I'm too old to be offended. I don't care. I just feel like social media has ruined so many things in society and the NBA and sports in general is one of them. It, there's something to be said for not always having your business out there. You guys have all seen couples, you know, that air out their grievances on Facebook or Twitter or whatever. It's the most uncomfortable, unnecessary. I don't want any part of this thing. In my opinion, I don't care what your dirty laundry is. Some people, you know, gobble that up because it's entertainment and their lives are so boring and pathetic that all they have to do with their time is to look at yours. And I just, I don't want to be that guy. I don't ever want, like, you'll never have, if I, if I have a fight with my wife, the last thing I want to do is run to social media and say something about it or even post a cryptic meme. Like, oh, maybe, maybe she'll see, maybe Teresa will see this and she'll get the message. If I have something to say to my wife, I'm going to say it to her. If you have something to say to your team because you're unhappy, man up and go talk to them. Don't put it out in the media. Don't put a cap in a cryptic video on Instagram. I mean, act like, grow your ass up, act like an adult. And the, unfortunately, a lot of these guys just aren't. And I'm not just talking about from a physical standpoint. I'm talking about guys like James Harden who are 31 years old and is handling his business like an eighth grader on social media. And it's not like he's not the worst example. I think probably in the NBA, we'd all have to go to Kevin Durant for that. I mean, the guy's got burners on burners on burners. And the guy is like, a generational talent. He's so above that. And I love Kevin Durant, by the way, like for the time he was with the Warriors, I had to hate him because that's where my sport hate lies. But I love Kevin Durant before and I love him since, and, you know, I, I love Kevin Durant, but that guy handles himself so poorly when it comes to social media. And that's what I'm getting at. Like social media, just, it, it's so bad for so many situations. It gets people fired over the dumbest stuff. And I just, again, for all the good that it does, there's a lot of bad. And I think that applies nowhere more so than in, in professional sports. I guess before we wrap up here, I want to do two quick things with you. One, one is a question for later, but right now I want to play a quick game with you, Adam. It's a word association game. It's a rapid fire game. I'm going to name someone on the Rockets and you give me like a few words about them and kind of what to expect this season. Some people that we haven't really talked about yet. Okay. All right. So three, two, one. Ben McLemore. Oh, um, uh, recovery. Re his career was has been recovered. Is uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Is that that's probably not the great. You know what I'm getting at though. You know what word I'm trying to say. Revitalization. Yeah, something along those lines. Like he's 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 rediscovered his 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 career here. Yeah, Sterling Brown. Ooh, potential. Of David Nwaba. Raw ability and excitement. Uh, Mason Jones. The great unknown? <laughs> Daniel House. You are Ron Burgundy? I <laughs> Did you say Daniel House? Daniel House. Oh. Regret? <laughs> Jared, I'm not talking uh, about like, I'm not talking about his contract or anything. I'm just that, that whole situation is just very regrettable. Yeah. Gerald Green. Houston. Yes. And uh, 
KJ Martin. I'm trying to think of the perfect. I, I want to say potential with him. Like he's intriguing. Intriguing is how I would go with him. Eric Gordon. Greatest reaction to never fouling anybody? Yeah, I I love Eric a lot, and, and I want him to be uh, off and on, meaning he has an on season, and then he has an off season, and I hope this is an on season. <laughs> and the last and most important one of all, Jay Sean Tate. <laughs> you even emphasized the J like you were going to say James Harden. Hey, we already got – he's the J train over here. We are riding – I'm the conductor of the J train – we're calling in the J train this season and we want that to like permeate John, across red nation. We really want, we think this has potential here. I'm going to, I'll pass that along to Craig before tonight's game and see if he can uh, fit that in the J train. The J train. Um, I would say for him, I'd say athleticism. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. He, he's probably my most, he's the most exciting player in my opinion, the, the new guys uh, on this team. He's just the guy that gives me, the most like wow like how did they he, find him he arouses you doesn't he yes yes very much so um not the first guy won't be the last but uh yeah mike do you have anything to add i i didn't i didn't think somebody was going to accuse you of being aroused by jay shante today i'm a that's, little that's confused. what i bring to the table you know it's not the most surprising thing i've been told um no i mean look i guess my last question to you adam is you know, when Gerald Green's playing time is over and he eventually runs for the mayor of Houston, are you going to vote for him like I will be standing in line the night before early voting opens, or are you not going to do that? I need to know his policies. <laughs> no. I don't care. Like, I just want him to be the next mayor of Houston. Like, I'm so on that train. It's really well, he couldn't, he couldn't do much worse than the current one. Um, I'm going I, with that, but thank you for saying I think, uh, I think uh, yeah, I, I know where you're going as far as um, he just really is likable. He, he did an interview with Matt Thomas a couple days ago. I, I guess it was last week now. Um, and it's just – you want – I asked Wex that day on the show. I said – do you think he makes the roster? And it wasn't because I was really quite, I just, I want him to make the roster. I want him to be in the rotation, but I want him to make the roster. If for no other reason than those city edition jerseys were designed for him, like, right. Like there's no way he doesn't show up to the arena that night wearing his Warren moon Oilers Jersey. So I just, he's so like likable. He's such a good guy. He approached his injury the right way. Um, and how can you not root for a guy that's so Houston that he's got, you know, the I-45 logo on his, on his shoulder tattooed? Like, he's – again, it doesn't make him you – know, a lot of guys can be very Houston and it doesn't matter because they don't have that. But he's got the talent still to contribute to a team that is, is, a, is a winning team. And I, I, I just like to see him be able to end his career here. I will always go back to the incident in Minnesota – where Gordy Zhang pushed Chris Paul into the row, uh, the front row, the courtside seats. A bad business decision. And Gerald Green said, you know what? I don't care how much your ticket costs. I'm going to throw Gordy Zhang into the first row of courtside seats. He just – he stands up for his guys. That was like uh, that was like Andre Johnson beating down Cortland Finnegan. It was very similar to that. And for, I want Gerald Green on this roster for no other reason that if somebody wants to pick a fight with the Rockets – and we throw in 
a six-man tag of P.J. Tucker, Gerald Green, and DeMarcus Cousins, we'll never lose. Wow. That's a, that is a, that's a trio that I would not like to run into in a dark alley. Uh, facts only <laughs> being spoken by you. Yep. I think this is a good place to park the rocket ship for now. Thank you so much, Adam. Uh, real joy to have you on. Love to have you come on again sometime soon. Any final thoughts or anything you'd like to plug in right now? Oh, I, you know, I'm, I'm excited about the season. I'll admit I was not as excited about the season. And I think a lot of us probably felt this way just because of what was going on with James Harden. The John Wall deal kind of rejuvenated my genuine interest. I mean, I, I work for the team. I work on the broadcasts. But, you know, it, it's, it's okay to say that sometimes eh, I don't know how this is going to go. That's kind of how I was feeling. I, I am interested whether James Harden's a part of it or not in what will happen um, if you're asking me who I'd like for him, like who's even remotely close to getting a good return and somebody I'd like to see just from an excitement standpoint, I, I would go the Ben Simmons route. Um, but I just, I, I love this team. I love this city and I, I want them to win so bad. And uh, I just, I wish sometimes that people didn't have to make it harder than it has to be. Is that, does that make sense? Yeah. That makes sense to me. Uh, oh, and uh, 3 to 6 p.m. each and every weekday on Sports Talk 790. It's the 18. <laughs> hey, real, real quick, will you bring up Ben Simmons? Let me ask you a question. If Toronto called and said we'll do it for Siakam, would you do it? Oh, man, I like Pascal Siakam. I, I don't – like, what, is, what does the rest of that deal look like, though? Because on the surface, I don't know if Siakam's enough of a return. Like, don't you think Ben Simmons is more of a return? Yeah, I mean, if we you disagree, were... tell me, but I, I just if, – if you're comparing those two, for example, don't you think he's more of a – he's got more upside? We talked about it a little bit before um, – we talked about it before the Giannis ex extension, and the reason why Toronto made sense is because they could get Harden while trading Siakam and still having that max slot open. I think now that Giannis is off the market, it kind of doesn't make sense for Toronto to make the deal, but the deal would have been Tucker – and Harden for Ananobi and Siakam and, uh, you know, draft compensation. So it would have given Ananobi in the deal as well. And I think that might have, uh, you know, spiced things up for Houston. And, you know, because P.J. Tucker, if Pascal Siakam came to Houston, P.J. Tucker wouldn't have been, uh, you know, basically not needed anymore. Yeah, he becomes much more expendable. Yeah. And, again, I love Siakam. I mean, wow. That, that guy, and he's really, like, He's really coming to his own um, from where he was. I just I, – I don't think – I mean, maybe I'm in the majority I didn't, or minority. I didn't see that coming. I didn't see what he's become. I mean, a lot of people, I think, looked at James Harden that way when he got traded to Houston. Oh, he was a nice sixth man, but he can't, he can't carry a team. Well, things, are, things have a way of surprising you sometimes. Yes. And also, go follow my co-pilot, Mr. Michael Brown, on Twitter at – you can find all of my Irrational Rockets, Dolphins, Houston Cougar tweets at UH Big Red Hat Guy. And you can follow me, the conductor of the J Train, on Twitter at Jeremy Brenner, J E R E M Y B R E N E R. Also, check out um, soon, we are going to start our Twitter account for Harden My Take. So be on the lookout for that. Uh, you can subscribe and download to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. We will be coming out with episodes periodically throughout this. Uh, upcoming NBA season kicking off Wednesday night at home against the Oklahoma City Thunder. 
and you can check that out on 790, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we are your home for a whole lot of things, including Rockets basketball. There you go. And uh, be sure to also catch all of our content over at thedreamshake.com, home of all things Houston Rockets on SBNation.com. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode of Hard Mind Taken. Until next time, go Rockets.